all the questions, you guys, I can't even fathom having. And yet God had a plan the entire time as he always does. There is hope even in the darkest of times. I don't even, can't even imagine what she was thinking or feeling. excited to be here. It's been a little bit of a while, as is custom with me, if you've been listening to me for any time now. (laughs) But I'm back, you guys. I wanted to kick off the new year with just, I didn't know, to be honest. I really didn't know. I always have a million ideas swirling in my head, but I wanted to pray about it and really see, okay, God, what do we need to hear? What do I need to hear? And what do you want me to put out there? And you guys responded in my stories on Instagram. I love, love, love that. I love hearing your feedback, by the way. And wanted some more on faith in general. And I, too, agree that I can never get enough. I can always learn more. And it pushes me to actually dig a little deeper when I talk on subjects like this. No matter how much I think I know them, it's it's my favorite. So I'm going to do a lot more going forward. But you guys saw the post. And I got this mug. And I'm like, this mug is literally my life goals. Okay. It just, it just encompasses everything I want to be as a woman, a mom, a friend, a wife, and it's exemplified after these six women. So here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to break down three of them. There is just way too much as I started to realize once I started studying to share on this topic that I cannot just pack into one episode for you. Okay. So this is going to be a two-part series, if you will. (laughs) And um, I'm really, even with that, you guys, I'm giving you the the gist. I am giving you the bare surface, like you got to go dig in and go deeper with all of these women because there's so much to glean from. I'm literally not even scratching the surface, okay? But today, we're going to talk about Ruth, Esther, and Martha. Next week, we will talk about Hannah, Mary, and Miriam, okay? Um, you guys, with each one of these women, when you read their stories and you look up different um, pastors who break it down and, you know, different Bible study topics and different women who have, you, you can li- learn so many things. Um, and I'm just picking what stood out to me right now. If you asked me in another month, I would literally be telling you a whole nother different thing I learned from them. OK, so just know that there's so much goodness packed into their stories and into the books, okay? We're going to go ahead and start with Ruth. If you are unfamiliar with Ruth, she actually does have a book in the Bible that explains her story. Some of these women do. Some of them do not have their own book in the Bible. Um, so I'll show you where you can go to find find them find them in their stories. But there is a book called the Book of Ruth, and I encourage you to go read it. If you guys are new to the Bible and want some help with trying to understand some of these stories, understanding the culture, the time, I really encourage you to download the app through the word, TTW. It is one of my favorite, if not my favorite, apps that breaks down every single book of the Bible verse by verse. Chris Langham is a pastor who just does so well at making it applicable to today. And 
makes it so easy even for like a newbie newbie. Does that make sense? A newbie to the Bible, a newbie to faith, a newbie to Christianity or anything in general. He's incredible. So through the word, I would encourage you to go through every book of the Bible listening to him because he's so good. Okay, here we go. We're getting into Ruth. All right. So one thing I want to you to get from each of these women is what I'm going to leave you with. Okay. What we're focusing on with Ruth is that there is hope even in the darkest of times. There is hope even in the darkest of times. That is what we're pulling from Ruth today. If you guys know the story of Ruth, you know that um, her story is one of losing her husband and going with her mother-in-law to a foreign place as a widowed, childless young woman to a place of people that pretty much didn't really like her type of people. She had never been there before. She knows nobody and starts a whole new life. And I'm going to read a couple things from the Bible for you guys here so that you can understand um, the concept. Naomi is her mother-in-law. Naomi's husband dies and then both her sons. First and foremost, I cannot think of anything more tragic than that. Literally, she lost her husband and then both her young sons and was literally left with just her daughter-in-laws. So she's in a place of extreme grief and mourning and tells her daughter-in-laws, look, just go back to your moms, like go back to your hometowns, go find another husband. Like I'm old. My life is done. Like you guys still have your life to live, right? One of the sisters ends up going back, but Ruth, I'm sorry, one of the daughter-in-laws, but Ruth says this in Ruth 1.16, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. Now I'm reading from the NLT, New Living Translation version. Um, can you kind of tell how what type of girl she is just from that? That is a loyal mamacita right there, okay? That is some strong, like, she must have cared for Naomi and have so much compassion for Naomi to say something like that. To say, listen, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make sure you're okay. I will not leave you in your time of mourning and grief. I can do it. I can suck it up and I can go to this foreign place. So Naomi basically had been telling them she's going to go back to where she's from, which was Bethlehem. The people in Bethlehem didn't really like or get along with uh, Ruth's type of people, which were the Moabites. And so that's why Naomi had encouraged them to just, you know, go back to where they were from. But Ruth says, no, I'm going to go with you. I've heard great things about this place as well. God is blessing these people. Let's go. So she goes with her back to Bethlehem. Now they get there and the people in the town are excited Naomi's back and, you know, they see that she's got this widowed daughter-in-law and Naomi has a distant relative named Boaz. And Naomi tells her daughter-in-law, Ruth, hey, why don't you go work in the wheat fields? I know Boaz, the owner. He's a distant relative of ours. And um, see what you can gather up. She, They need they need to work, guys, right? They're widows. Um, back in that day, people didn't treat widows or young unwed uh, women very well. And they had to make a living for themselves. So Ruth did it. As scared and or as unknown as it could be, she goes and she does this, you guys, not knowing anyone. She goes and gets this new job, so to speak. I just think of Ruth as someone who's not only loyal, but she's pretty bold and pretty brave, too, as you'll see with most of these women. And she goes out. She gets in the field. Boaz sees her 
and is taken by her and and provides for her and says, you know what, don't you don't have anything to worry about. I will let you work here and through the season. You have a job basically, and you're going to be safe in my fields. And he he basically said, I got you. He fed her. He took care of her, and she works through the season, shows up, works hard, and provides for her and her mother-in-law, you guys. It is just a really good depiction of, I think, sometimes how spoiled I am when I get upset that I don't want to do my job that I even love. And I'm like, oh, gosh, like, how can I? You guys, some of the, the things that we are afraid of doing or that we complain or gripe about doing, we are so, so incredibly blessed to even have. Does that make sense? Again, this is the kind of stuff when you read these stories, you you get and you get perspective, right, of how blessed we are that we even get to work the types of jobs we do, not worrying about our lives, not worrying if someone's going to do something shady to us in a field somewhere. That, that, that was real stuff they had to deal with back then, you guys. So long story short with Ruth is Boaz ends up falling in love with her. She she falls in love with him and they get married. And Boaz's character, you guys, is a whole nother thing. We need some Boaz men up in this day and age. Let me tell you that much. Okay, we definitely need some Boaz men. Um, but the thing about Ruth that I love is it's a love story. It's a story of triumph. It's a story of pushing through obstacles. And um, it didn't just happen overnight. You know, it says that she worked the whole season. You guys, this could have been at least a year, I I would assume, where she's working the fields and maybe not seeing like anything's happening and maybe saying, God, where's my where's my new man or what am I going to do or am I ever going to fall in love again or how, you know, all the questions, you guys, I can't even fathom having. And yet God had a plan the entire time as he always does there is hope even in the darkest of times. I don't even can't even imagine what she was thinking or feeling. The nights she cried with Naomi talking about missing, you know, Naomi's son, her husband, Ruth's husband, talking about the the men that they lost and talk, I mean, I don't even know how and what they talked about, but I can only imagine how hard it was. And she still showed up, you guys, day after day to provide. She stayed loyal. She stayed diligent and had no idea who, what, where, when, or how. But that's not our part, right? That's always God's part. He just asks us to show up. And sure enough, through that field, he asked her to just go be diligent in. She found her husband. And what's really cool about them, you guys, is did you know that they ended up being the lineage through which Jesus was born? Ah, it's amazing. So many cool things that happen through her just being obedient, even through the tough times, her just trusting and having faith and her just her compassion and loyalty is admirable, like so admirable. So with Ruth, I want to ask you this. I'm going to ask you a question after each one of these women that I break down. Is there anything from your past you're still holding on to that you need to let go of and ask God to heal or forgive? Because I'll tell you what, if Ruth had held on to the bitterness that she could have had from her husband dying and her brother-in-law dying and her father-in-law dying, she would have missed out on finding this new place, finding this new group of people who ended up becoming her community and finding this new man who eventually she would marry, bear children with, who would then become the lineage of which our Savior Jesus Christ was born, you guys. Like, so crazy, right? She would have missed out on so many things, you guys, if she would have held on to the bitterness. 
that she was rightly owed. Like, sometimes we think that our bitterness is justified, right? Like, or our unforgiveness of somebody is justified. Or our, you know, yeah, scornfulness because somebody wronged us and it wasn't our fault. It wasn't Ruth's fault that her husband passed away and her father-in-law and her brother-in-law. It was not her fault and it was not anything that she could control. And she could have held on, as so many people do in this world, to bitterness and just live the rest of her life as a bitter woman, angry at God, asking God why. But instead, she said, Lord, comfort me, heal me, and show me what I need to do to take the next steps forward. I'm paraphrasing. She, she it didn't say that she said that, but I'm assuming with her obedience and her actions, she said those things. So is there anything from your past you're still holding on to you need to let go of and ask God to heal or forgive? It's my question for you guys. Okay, moving on to Esther. Number two, the main theme from Esther is, again, similar to Ruth, your obedience in big and small things and your courage will determine your future. Your obedience in big and small things and your courage will determine your future. Okay, Esther interestingly, similar to Ruth, was plucked from her known um, community and what she was doing and where she lived to, uh, completely different of Ruth, to actually be taken to a harem to be groomed to be a potential possible bride for the king. Now, I don't know about you, but that that is some crazy, crazy stuff. I need to read this to you because you're going to be like, what? This was um, in Persia. In a time where, you know, the king was the El Capitan, what he said goes, nobody goes against the king. You know, he had multiple wives, multiple other mistresses on the sides. And it was just a very um, paganistic culture as well. They did not worship God whatsoever. There was no nothing in regards to God's rules or laws or anything about that, right? They did as they pleased. They filled their bellies. They satisfied their um, lust. And that's just the way they lived, right? Okay, so Esther, though, is a Jew living in Persia at the time and believed differently. She did believe in God. She did have that relationship with God and followed God and didn't follow the way of the world. But let me read this to you, okay? Esther, and you can find the story of Esther in the book of Esther. Esther 2.12. Before each young woman was taken to the king's bed, she was given the prescribed 12 months of beauty treatments— Six months with oil of myrrh, followed by six months with special perfumes and ointments. When it was time for her to go to the king's palace, she was given her choice of whatever clothing or jewelry she wanted to take from the harem. That evening, she was taken to the king's private rooms, and the next morning, she was brought to the second harem, where the king's wives lived. There, she would be under the care of Shishgaz, the king's eunuch, in charge of the concubines. Crazy, you guys. She never would go to the king again unless he had especially enjoyed her and requested her by name. I am lit like you guys. This is what happened back in the day. They had hundreds of women groomed for one year straight with beauty treatments. Now Esther was stunning. She was known as one of the most beautiful women to ever live. Like literally was just absolutely gorgeous. And the guy that took care of all these women, you know, the the eunuch they they called him, um, was like, this girl's got something going for her. She's special. So they literally assigned her seven of her own maids specifically for her to get her ready for the king for a year. Can you even imagine for one year 
being held in a place. Now, now, now the beauty treatments, I mean, that'd be kind of cool, right? The beauty, I'm not going to lie. The beauty treatments, all that, the pampering, I would be all about it. But not for a year. Like, what in the what? One year, you guys. Like, that alone is enough to drive anyone insane. You are not with your family. You are not with your friends. You are sitting in a place knowing that you are being groomed for some guy's lustful appetite. It's like literally disgusting to even think about, right? And then he, you get your one night in front of him and you better be on your best of the best after those 12 months of grooming because if he doesn't like you, he shushes you off and you're back into the concubine with all the other, you know, back with all the other concubines, which were the um, side hustles, if you will, the side pieces. That's what they were. It's called concubines. And then he's got the wives over here on the side. I mean, it was just like crazy. Well, the Lord had a plan even through all of that craziness, and the king took to Esther. He thought she was stunning. He loved her the most, and he actually did crown her queen. So Esther becomes queen. Okay, now that you have to read the book of Esther. This needs to be a literal Hollywood box office movie because it is filled with so much like craziness, you guys. Like this is straight up Hollywood. This is what Esther reminds me of, okay? Adventure and drama and like evil and plotting and like beauty and like it's just crazy. So long, long story short, um, the king had a first right hand man and his name was Haman. Haman was a very greedy guy and he wanted to be the most powerful in all the land aside from the king, and he wanted everyone to worship him. So he decided to put in this law and declare this decree that you had to bow down to him. Now, there was a man named Mordecai that was Esther's uncle, who she was raised with, that said, I'm not going to do that because we don't worship you. We don't worship man. We worship God, right? Same with Esther. Now, this whole time, you guys, while Esther was being groomed and now she's queen, she never once told anybody that she was a Jew. They don't know that she's a Jew still, okay? So nobody knows she she's kept it quiet because her uncle Mordecai told her, you know, just don't say anything, be quiet about it, let's be discerning about this. And that's one of the characteristics I like about Esther that I already see right off the bat in her story is she's very discerning. And it, it does say in the Bible that in her story, she never asked for more than what she was told to ask for. She did what she was told to do. She did nothing more, nothing less. She was just that obedient, consistent, reliable kind of a gal and had that discernment. Now, Haman puts this decree in place and, and sees that Mordecai is not going to bow to him. And he goes, okay, this is a problem. This guy's not bowing to me. He finds out he's a Jew. And so he tells the king, hey, king, this Jew is not bowing to me. And if he's not bound to me, he's not going to bow to you and all his people are going to be just like him. And he, he's going to encourage them to rise up and like come against us. Does this sound familiar, you guys, to anything possibly going on right now in our country? Hello. They were just so greedy with power and control. And oh, my gosh, these people aren't going to go with the narrative and they're not going to do it. So we have to get rid of them. Literally, that was Haman's suggestion was to kill the Jews, you guys. To kill the Jews, okay? So they, if they didn't worship him, that was it, right? They, they wanted all, he wanted the glory. And the king actually went along with it. And he said, you're right. I don't want to lose power. I don't want them to overtake us. I don't want them to, you know, we need to stay in control. Let me read you this. Now, I won't read you that part, actually, about what, what the decree was. But I will tell you that Mordecai goes to Esther and says, Esther, you're the queen, you have to do something about this or we are literally all going to die. You have to go to him and ask for him 
to spare our lives. You have to be the one, right? Now, let me read you. Can you imagine Esther? She's like, just gets crowned queen. Nobody knows she's a Jew. Back then, you could not go to the king ever in his courtyard unless he put his scepter out to show you approval. Otherwise, you would die. I mean, this is how literally you they would be hit. He would behead you even if you were his wife. This is the type of control they had. It was literally do or die. It was a death sentence to go before the king when you were not summoned. Okay. Now, Esther um, 4.13 says this. She tells Mordecai, she says, I, I don't know, Mordecai, like I could die. Like literally I could lose my life if I go before him. I haven't seen him in 30 days. He hasn't called on me because again, she even being his wife would not go to him unless he called on her. She's like, he hasn't called on me in 30 days. Things are not looking good between our relationship. I, this could like, this does not seem feasible whatsoever. And I'm just going to pop up and be like, Hey, don't kill my people. And Mordecai says this in response as to 413. He says, don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Ooh, you guys, when I read that, like literally I'm just reading that to you right now and I want to cry. I get like choked up in my throat because that is some powerful stuff. And that applies to every single one of you listening to this today. Every single woman listening to this that believes in the Lord and has the Lord in their heart is living for a purpose, a purpose beyond this world. And there is no coincidence that you were born in 1984. <laughs> that's when I was born or plug in the year with the parents that you had and the situation that you had, whether you liked it or you didn't like it, God knows what he's doing and he has set you up for such a time as this. When you know that you guys, and you read the book of Esther, you will be so encouraged and so inspired to look up and around outside of the circumstances you're in, outside of the bubble that you might be living in, to, to bigger things. This is the kind of stuff that gets you excited, like, I want to do more. I want to be more impactful. I want to, reading the book of Esther will make you start to understand that you were made to do those things, you guys. Um, she was scared. She was very human, just like us. Just because she was the queen and she was stunningly beautiful did not mean she was not scared. She was frightened. She didn't immediately say, sure thing, uncle, you got it. I love the Lord. He's going to provide. Let's do this. She was scared and said, I don't think this is a good idea. And when Mordecai responded like that and said, listen, if you don't do this, God's going to use someone else. That gives me goosebumps, you guys, because this is the truth. God is looking for who he can use to do crazy, wildly, astronomically good things in this world. And sometimes it's us and we just go, oh, no, are you looking at me, God? I, don't know. I think you're looking over at her. And we just like brush it off and pretend it's not us because we don't want to do it. It's not that he isn't asking us. It's not that he doesn't want to use us. It's we don't actually want to hear it and we don't want to step forward and do it. Maybe because we're scared. Like Esther was, it's okay to be scared. It's normal to be scared. And it might not be, he's asking you to save an entire population, you guys. And again, this is why I love the Bible. It makes all my problems and or fears or doubts look so minute and makes me go, what the heck do I have to complain about? 
Like, seriously, God can do anything through me if he can use a Jew to save an entire nation who was nothing from nobody to rise up to become a queen, like on and on and on, right? And so you have to understand that, you guys, that like literally every one of us was made for such a time as this. It's just whether or not we want to listen to what he's telling us to do and have the obedience, you guys, in the big and small things. We think we think some of the small things, oh, what does it matter if I just don't obey on this? It's no big deal. We have no clue how that has eternal impact. We have no clue what that's going to impact our children or future generations. We have no clue how that's going to impact our neighbor or our coworker or our family. It seems so small in the moment, right? She didn't have to show up to those beauty treatments. She could have complained for one year. She could have been like, this is, I'm over it. I don't want any more hairbrushing. If you put one more piece of makeup on me, I'm going to just stab my eyes out. She didn't have to do it. And she just did it little by little, those small obedience is what I genuinely believe built up to give her the strength to do the big, scary thing. If you could do the small things God's asking you to do, even though those weren't small, those to me are still pretty darn big, then you build the faithfulness and the foundation to do some of the bigger things he's asking you to do. But you got to start with where you are now. And what is he asking you to do right now? Maybe some of you do want to change the world or you do want to have this crazy big impact and you just don't know how you can do it. You're just like, I don't even know where to start. Well, he's right where you are. That's what I would say. Start right where you are. He's calling you and telling you you to do something right where you are, but you have to seek it out. You have to be listening for his word. You have to be reading his word to know what it is he wants you to do. Otherwise, he can use somebody else. And how crazy would that be if our whole life passes us by and we get to heaven and he goes, you know, Connie, I really wanted you to be a part of xyz but you didn't listen i i love you and you're here and you're in heaven and that's amazing but i had such a bigger plan for you and i wanted you to do xyz and you didn't want to do it you didn't you didn't have the bravery you didn't have the courage you didn't have the belief in me that i would give you the tools to do it and what if i would have missed out you guys on the crazy i'm telling you i do this all the time do you, you know this podcast was it for me this was like years of God telling me, you got to do this. You got And I was like, no, but no one's going to listen. And I'm not a big influencer. And I don't really have the blah, blah. I did it for so long, you guys. And I knew he was calling me to do it, not for followers, not for whoever would listen to it, but even if it would change one person's life, you guys, which it has. And that's a whole nother story for other times. But here's my question for you for Esther. Here we go. Is there anything you're not being obedient to that you know God's asking you to do or not do? Big or small? Is there anything you are not being obedient to that you know God's asking you to do or not do? I want you guys to spend some time with him. And you you know what? I'm actually going to cut it short. We're not, we're not going to do Martha. We can't do it. It's I don't want to go over 30 minutes. <laughs> I want to give you with just this for today. I guess I'm going to have to do two, two, and two. So this is part one of three. How about that? Okay. Two questions to leave you with, you guys. Ruth was compassionate. She was loyal. She was caring. She was hardworking. Esther was brave. Esther was courageous through the fear. She was also obedient. She was disciplined. And she just got to it, you guys. And she had faith. And she did go before the king. She saved an entire nation from being wiped out because of her bravery and her obedience to God. So I want you to spend some time this weekend or whenever you're listening to this and literally just get in a quiet room, even if it's for 10 minutes, and just ask God these two questions. 
is there anything from my past, God, that I'm holding on to that I need to let go of and that I need you to heal? Please heal it, Lord. I don't want to hold on to bitterness anymore. I don't want to hold it anymore. It's killing me inside and it is keeping me from moving forward. Or is there any area of my life, God, that I'm not being obedient in? Whether it's small or big, Lord, give me the strength and give me the courage to do it and to take one step at a time. Ask him, you guys. He's so faithful to show up. He will do it. And then here's the thing. I want you to write it down and go get someone to keep you accountable to it. Go get someone to help you pray over it with them. And that's how you guys are going to see victory through these things. I hope you are so encouraged, you guys. I want you to share a takeaway. Share it on social media, you guys. All your takeaways are not just so I can go, hey, look, at they tagged me in a takeaway. Do you understand the power you have when you share stuff and I reshare it? People see other people that are just like them that are learning and growing, and it's so encouraging. And you're a part of this with me. You're, it's, why, it's convos with con. I'm not talking at you. You're talking with me. So I want to hear it. I want to hear what you got from these two women, if anything inspired you, um, if you have a story you want to shoot into my DMs, I would love to hear it, I would love to share it, and let's encourage other women along this journey we call life. All right, next week we got Martha and Hannah. Love you guys, bye. Bye.